Well, I bring you God's grace and his mercy and peace in his holy and majestic name. We are thinking all about uh, God's holy word for today, uh, lingering specifically on Genesis uh, chapter 4 and that holy gospel reading as well. Uh, Well, it is a tale as old as time. Uh, He was once a handsome prince uh, living in his stately castle. But all of that changed one day, didn't it? It changed when this enchantress, disguised as this old beggar, came into his life. And it turned this handsome and stately prince into an ugly and a repulsive and, did I mention, a very hairy, hairy, hairy beast. But this enchantress woman, she didn't just stop there. No, she turned all of those princes, a common household servants, into a common household utensils. Their names are familiar enough. Lumiere, Cogsworth, Mrs. Potts, and my favorite, uh, the little teacup named Chip. Uh, this beast was so consumed with how ugly he was and how repulsive he was that he went off by himself to live alone in his castle. He wanted to lash out that anyone would even dare to come near him to sit there and be consumed with how angry and ugly he was on the inside. But one day, all of that changed, didn't it? It changed when this beautiful young girl named Belle came waltzing into his life. And the beauty loved the beast. And the beast becomes beautiful. My friends, have you ever felt like the beast before? Well, uh, the simple answer is yes. I have, and, and you have, and your parents have, and your, your grandparents have, all the way back to our very uh, first parents of Adam and Eve. In fact, if we crack open God's Word, there's not a page on the Holy Scriptures that this beastly nature doesn't jump out at us. We hear in the Old Testament about how uh, King Saul wanted to hunt down and hurt King David. We hear in the New Testament about how uh, the first King Herod hurts all of those babies in search of Jesus in Bethlehem, and the next one trumps up charges against John the Baptist and takes his life, and this beastly nature is on every single page of the Holy Scriptures, and it goes by many different names, but as Christians, we know what this is at its core. This is sin. Sin we're born into, sin we actively do, and this sin permeates and bubbles up inside of each and every single one of us. And today Christ comes and he wants to shine a light on our beastly nature to chase away the darkness that is lurking inside of each and every single one of us. Because left to our own, we're just going to reach out and hurt somebody else because of how consumed we are with our nature. Or we're going to live isolated and alone, uh, not wanting to be by any one or any other thing. You know, this is what happens in our first reading for tonight. In Genesis chapter 4, we get this famous picture of two different brothers. Uh, We have over here uh, brother number one named Cain. 
and over here, brother number two named Abel. Uh, Both brothers, the scriptures tell us, decide to make an offering to the Almighty. And when they do that, um, the first brother, Cain, he looks at all the the stuff that he has been given and just decides to choose some things and offer it up to the Lord. But Abel, Abel, this other brother, uh, he says, God, you have given me everything. It's all yours anyways. Here's the best stuff. Who am I to hold any of it back? It's all yours anyways. And somehow God looks down and makes it known, I like Abel's sacrifice better than Cain's. And what happens? Uh, brotherly jealousy starts to fester. Uh, Cain gets a little bit jealous. Uh, Cain gets a little bit upset. Uh, Cain gets a little bit frustrated. Cain invites Abel out into a field by themselves, and Cain takes the life of his brother Abel, and that beastly nature erupts in the most horrific and violent way possible as we witness the first murder in the Holy Scriptures in time itself. But God shows grace. Uh, God says, Cain, even though you did this horrible thing, I'm not going to do to you what you did to your brother. I'm going to love you, I'm going to guide you, I'm going to shepherd you, and I'm going to let you live so that you might flourish and help others and be a beacon of hope to a world in desperate need of truth. And God shows grace. Because my friends in Jesus, we might have those same problems that Cain did, Or we might have problems that are unique to each and every single one of us, but just like Cain, just like us, we need God's light to shine in our lives and chase away the darkness for tonight. You know, several years ago, my family was living down in Boca Raton, Florida. Maybe some of you have been there. It's a lot like Grafton, Wisconsin. We got the lake instead of the beach. It's a small town that exploded. Grafton's kind of the same thing. But my point is this. We lived down there for a year of my life. My son was born there. It was a, it was a great time in my life. And when I was down there, it's a, it's a city that really popped up out of nowhere. It's kind of like Grafton. It was just a few thousand people and then slowly started to expand. Well, they imported these giant they called them royal palm trees that they put everywhere. And they were gorgeous, but they blocked the view if you were driving and had to make turns. Uh, so one day, I was going into work. I'm coming down Federal Highway and, and turning left onto Camino Real, and I can't really see because we got this giant palm tree there. And, and the light ahead of me kind of changes, and, and traffic starts to get backed up, and there's more people because it's rush hour. And as we're going, who gets stopped in the middle of the intersection but this guy himself? If I wasn't there, at least a car could squeak through. But I am sitting there, and as I'm doing so, I start to get a little sweaty, a little nervous as the honks start coming in. Now, you know the ones. Bump, bump, move it, buddy, let's go! And as I'm sitting there, I start to get frustrated. Where am I supposed to go? Can't you look and see? I can't go forward. I can't go backwards. Just chill out. And just like that, in a moment's notice, in a twinkling of an eye, this uh, beauty, 
that stands before you becomes a beast. And it happens so quickly like that with each and every single one of us. So, oh, child of God, tonight I ask you again, uh, where are those places in your life uh, where you struggle with that beastly identity and we need Christ's light to come in and fix it? Maybe you're like Cain and you get jealous of other people. Maybe you got road rage or maybe it's something different completely. Uh, Let's do a little exercise, if we shall, and think about this in light of the Ten Commandments, God's holy will. Think if any of these resonate with you, if any of these things you struggle with, and see what that beastly nature means for you personally. Commandment number one, do you ever struggle uh, with putting your fear, your love, and your trust in something else other than the one true God? Commandment number two, do you ever use God's name like a punctuation mark rather than with holy reverence and awe? Commandment three, do you always joyfully hear God's word or sometimes is it a struggle? Commandment number four, are we always faithful in upholding our leadership even when they make bad decisions that negatively impact us? Commandment number five, are, are we always joyfully caring about other people's bodies? Or, or commandment number six, do we, are we concerned about the purity of our own bodies? Commandment seven, do we steal? Commandment eight, do we lie? Commandment number nine, are we jealous? We want somebody else's life. Or commandment number ten, do we want somebody else's stuff. I see this beastly nature, it is there lurking within each and every single one of us, but for today, we get a glimpse. Uh, We get a glimpse of how Christ wants us to handle that beastly nature, (laughs) and more importantly, what Christ does for it. In the Holy Gospel reading for today, Jesus is with his disciples, and he had a choice. He had a choice uh, to let a beastly nature erupt with inside of him, or he had a choice to honor and follow God's will, and Jesus chose the latter. You see, Jesus goes to the temple, and as he goes to the temple, Jesus is expecting uh, there to be grandeur and glory. Uh, This temple was ornate, filled with stone, with a key of wood from top to bottom. Gold was everywhere. There was pictures, the scriptures say, of palm trees and and cherubim and and bronze basins. They had a place for the Gentiles, a place for the women, a place for the men, and a place for the Holy of Holies, as God would offer sacrifices for his people. And in the midst of this, Jesus wanted to come and see people bending their hearts in worship. But on that day, when Jesus showed up, and see people in holy posture looking for the places and how God is going to chase out the darkness in their lives. No, God saw people consumed with me, myself, and I. He saw people concerned with money. People concerned with the goods and the sales of services. Jesus did not see people in prayer, but a people in pursuit of their own pleasures. So tonight, Jesus does almost the unthinkable. He leaves the room, he, he makes a whip, he comes back in, he starts flipping over tables, and he, and he drives everybody out of there and says, my father's house must be a house of prayer. And Jesus shows us what it's like uh, to get worked up for the sake of good and shows us what that posture actually looks like. Uh, but my friends in Jesus, I tell you that to tell you this. My focus tonight is not necessarily on what Jesus does in our story this evening, but rather what Jesus will do at the end of the story. For you see, I think even when Jesus shows us how to get worked up in a good way, 
uh, we often fail and we often falter. Even in our pious moments where we want to help people and we want to get worked up about the good things, I am convinced in the Christian life, we too often get consumed with our own rage and our own problems. And this is why the end of the story matters. Second Corinthians says this, God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us. So that when I have my road rage or you struggle with the purity of your body, or you get worked up about the people and authority over you, God takes that beastly nature and he takes the most beautiful thing on earth and makes it ugly and hideous and he puts it to death so that you might be the righteousness of God. My friends in Jesus, next time that beastly nature arises within you, don't lash out at others. Don't run away and be by yourself. Come find me. Come find Pastor Anderson. Come find somebody and talk it through. You are the people of God, loved and saved through Jesus. You are someone different and someone special. You are beautiful, stunning, gorgeous. Why? Because the beauty loves the beast. And you are beautiful. My friends, let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, tonight you give us a very difficult teaching. Uh, So often, Lord, we know those places where we have failed. And yet, sometimes we might be tempted that we, like your son Jesus, uh, might be emboldened to have our righteous anger 